dear my brothers and sisters this evening i would like to talk about appreciative joy in pali modita it's one of the four divine abiding best behaviors but before i give a talk yesterday I was given a question and this is how it goes What does life what does quotes life is suffering mean is there any other option <laughs> Ah give you some options if you have been reading the timetable today again and again many many times <laughs> stay there for five minutes maybe trying to read the timetable or interview schedule <laughs> that's another way of enjoying reading <laughs> so that's an option to life enjoying reading the schedule many times as many it's one option not so bad of an option if you don't know what's the day today <laughs> whether it's a tuesday or sunday <laughs> that means you're having a good time it's another option so we've heard about life is suffering but when we look at the four noble truth of course the buddha talked about life is suffering but that's only a, a, a half of the story he gave that life is suffering there's a cause of suffering but there's also happiness and the way to happiness so life is a blend of happiness and uh, suffering so it's not only one-sided as you think but some of the happiness we get it's kind of a holiday between suffering so we <laughs> we lose the whole picture <laughs> so you go for a little bit of a holiday that's when you have a smile <laughs> so you need to take many mini holidays actually <laughs> to realize that uh, there's also uh, life is full of happiness and joy the buddha gave uh, this statement life is suffering uh, it was a kind of uh, a wake up call for all people who took life for granted he gave a very good uh, uh, simile that if this house is burning with fire and i i just say oh can I'm just give, uh, giving my word here. You say, okay, if like, this house is catching fire, and I say, oh, come on for dinner. It's, today it's a very good day, nice weather. So you'll be reluctant to go out of this house. But if I say the house is burning, <laughs> then you are going to go very fast out of this house. So uh, you know that uh, also there's a lot of Buddha's teaching concerned with happiness and joy, and one of them is modita that i'm going to talk about today some of my experiences actually it is the joy of sharing as i was growing up in africa 
in in Uganda, especially, we have extended families, and uh, for me, when I was growing up, there's a, there was a lot of joy growing up with my siblings, brothers and sisters, and cousins, and all that. One exercise that really, really made my day was eating. <laughs> so uh, we had uh, five boys in our family. Uh, sometime, 10, <laughs> depends on where you are. When you visit your uncle, then the number can, can uh, swell, you know. <laughs> so, <laughs> so one time I went to a village uh, where I was going for boarding school, and uh, we had five boys from different families, and when it came to lunch, we used to eat together in one plate. So we had guys who were eating faster, slower, especially me, I was a slow eater. Maybe that's why I'm skinny. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, we used to have guys who are eating fast. They were just actually uh, <laughs> drinking food. They were not eating it. <laughs> so sometimes um, I used to eat slowly, not that I was so mindful, but generally I'm a slow eater. I'm, I'm telling you, I was enjoying seeing this guy eating very fast, even when it was burning. <laughs> But he developed into a habit of eating very fast. I don't know whether he had a cooler inside. <laughs> but for me, it was a great joy to, see, to eat together, really. So this could come as a joy of sharing. Knowing that you are sharing together, it, it brought a lot of joy. You know? And I was always looking forward to the next meal and maybe improve on my speed. <laughs> I could never catch up with some of the guys there. <laughs> so uh, there's a joy of sharing. Actually, what is very interesting is that uh, most of the things that uh, uh, we enjoy in life, they're free. But then we don't enjoy them because they're free, but because actually we're sharing. For instance, space. Uh, water, especially in Africa, we don't buy it. We just go in a well, and we all share the well in the village. So we go and get water. We share sunshine, all the things, actually. There's a joy in sharing. Happiness of sharing, sharing is far greater than actually holding. Okay, this is mine. This kind of individual kind of approach. Okay, this is mine, this is mine, this is mine. But if it's all together, communion, it's amazing. That's how we live in actually in the monastery in West Virginia. So we share, we have a communal life, we live together. And uh, it's amazing, some of our robes look like <laughs> the same. So sometimes you grab another person's robe. So that's why you need to mark it, actually. You make dots. <laughs> it's all the same, it's one. Arms ball the same, so... <laughs> So it's just amazing, the joy of sharing. I'll offer you some other joys you find in the, the discourses. Uh, one of them is joy or happiness of ownership. So why don't you get high on that, that you own this T-shirt, your, <laughs> your shoes, your friend, and all that. So the, this is something that the Buddha say enjoy, right? If you are not a monastic, uh, uh, there's a lot of things actually to enjoy, even as a monastic. 
So don't make, don't make life groomy for yourself. So you have your spouse. That's a, that's a good start. So the joy of ownership, the Buddha said, go for it. Happiness of having wealth, that means when you are having wealth, you, you still you can enjoy that. Another one, happiness of blamelessness. When you have no remorse. So you haven't done any good thing since you, I mean bad thing since you arrived here. You kept all the fire precepts. Why are you grooming in this today? <laughs> There's nothing to be uh, worried about. The food is fixed. You have a wonderful space here. Why do you think life is all suffering? There's a holiday, and now you're on a holiday here. <laughs> so, actually, uh, you kept all the five precepts, actually. So, you have happiness or blamelessness. Nobody's going to blame you that you kill, that you stole, you do this. So, enjoy that. And then there is the happiness of freedom from debts. You don't have any debt now, here at least. So, (laughs) now, I'm talking about now. (laughs) Uh, So, especially happiness of blamelessness, it's uh, uh, this spiritual and psychological happiness. The rest is more of economic stability and security. But we can still enjoy that. That's the beauty of this teaching that the Buddha said that enjoy. And what is very interesting, it's even you should have joy and happiness of enjoyment. You see where we are going? <laughs> so when you have joy, you should be joyful of joyful. So, so you create kind of a, a multiplier effect. Eh? <laughs> you can mat- multiply your joy by being joyful. So when you have some kind of, let's say, 10% enjoyment, enjoy that too. (laughs) So it's about enjoyment of enjoyment of enjoyment. So you can see life is not grooming. There is another side to life. That's why I want to talk about Modita today. Um, According to this book called The Path of Purification, Visuddhimagga, it's a commentary. There it gives uh, that mudita is simply gladness, uh, gladness at one uh, at other's success. It's a dividing, a divine abode, uh, abode or abiding. Because most of the time, uh, probably that's not what we do <laughs> when other people are very successful. Or we may feel jealousy, envy, and all that. In this book, Visuddhimagga, they illustrated this quality of the heart and mind this way. On seeing or hearing about a dear person being happy, cheerful, and glad, gladness can be aroused thus. This being is indeed glad. How good, how excellent. Just as one would be glad on seeing a dear or beloved person 
so one pervades all beings with gladness. So that's the quality of uh, of this heart and mind that uh, gladdens when there is success, when others are successful. I don't know if you have heard about this statement, a thousand joys and thousand sorrows. Forget about the sorrows. Today we are with the joys now. <laughs> Thousands. <laughs> ten thousands? Why is it ten thousand joys? Not millions, actually. <laughs> so it's a kind of a figure, probably, uh, to show you there are so many joys and, and, and sorrows. In the discourses we found in Majima Nikaya, it's called the analysis of sixfold sense field in Majima Nikaya. The Buddha speaks of the six kinds of household joys and six kinds of joys connected with renunciation. So if you remember these six, you, you are good. So the joy that arises when one regards as an acquisition, the acquisition of forms cognizable by eyes, agreeable, pleasing, charming, endearing, connected with worldly baits. Or when one recalls the previous acquisition of such forms after they have passed, seized, and changed, thus called household joy. Similarly with sounds, smells, taste. Uh, tactile sensations and ideas. In other words, when you see something, it might be beautiful, joy can arise. So there's mo many moments of joy. I, I know for myself, I see this mountain, see the deers. It arouses a lot of joy seeing these visible objects. So that can make your day seeing uh, even these grasses like dancing with the wind, the leaves, the mountain. Just being in the fresh air, actually. Before giving a talk, I went down for a walk. I was just dazzling this fresh air. I said, wow, so beautiful. So you can feel that joy also. There are six because there are six senses. So it's very easy to remember the six joys. But also there are uh, other uh, joys, six kinds of joys. Uh, they are called renunciation joy. The joy that arises when experiencing the inconsistence or the impermanence of these very forms, their change, fading, and cessation. One sees with the right discernment as it, it is actually as it actually is that all forms, past or present, are impermanent, stressful, subject to change. That's called renunciation joy. Similarly with sounds, smells, tastes, tactile sensation and ideas. While such joys are subjective by nature, they are devoid of any defilement of, of egoistic craving that could give rise to the defilement of jealousy, envy, covetousness, or greed. These joys arise on the, real, on, on the realization of the impermanence of material shapes, sounds, smells, flavors, touches, and mental states. And the renunciation of attachment to them. So when we renounce, 
these uh, 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 sensual pleasures, then there comes a very profound joy. And that's what we need to cultivate, actually. Now, we know what are six uh, kinds of joy uh, connected to household uh, household and uh, renunciation. But there are so many opportunities to be joyful, to be happy. We need to create those opportunities. We need to be mindful. What appreciative joy is and what it's not. I'm going to give you a clear distinction. By the way, uh, you'll find other terms uh, connected to mudita, like unselfish joy, sympathetic joy, altruistic joy. But I prefer appreciative joy. It speaks to me. Yes, so you can find out what relates, relates to you, what resonates with you. But I like more of appreciative joy. It's boundless. That's the Pali word is apamanya. It's boundless. It's not limited only to oneself, just to a small circle of your friends and relatives. It's actually cultivated for all beings. That means the number of objects have no limit where you can uh, send this appreciative joy. So then definitely mudita or appreciative joy is generous appreciation, generosity. It also actually is metta itself. (laughs) It's also compassion. That's what mudita is. It's gratitude. It it is mutual, mutual sharing. Mudita is not definitely jealousy, envy, cold-heartedness, miserliness. It is also what we call ill will, anger. All those things are far from Mudita, appreciate joy. In fact, they are the very opposite of appreciate joy. There is a very good example that is, comes down come down in the Buddhist scriptures. It's related to a mother with a child when they grow up, you know. Before, in fact, when the, the, the child is is uh, the mother is pregnant, uh, the mother have uh, this metta, loving kindness, and after the baby is born, uh, then cries and all that. Then the mother has compassion. But I like when the child has grown up, is getting good grades and playing football. <laughs> and then the parent will have mudita, appreciative joy. So for me, that's amazing because I remember 
when I was uh, young, I used to get good marks at school and I used to take them to my mother, my report, and my mother would buy me a suit, appreciating what I've done. And I feel so proud. I say, next time I'm going to work even harder. So I, I remember when my mother was appreciating my success. So uh, this is amazing quality that even actually, that arises naturally. But we need to cultivate it, even if you're a mother already. So you need to cultivate it. We need to cultivate that uh, quality of sharing, not uh, being threatened by sharing and the success of others. Because most of the time people think that when you share, you are going to lose. But actually you gain more. We are going to see uh, later on what we call sharing of merit. It's very common in our tradition. Coming to children, actually, very interesting. They want to share their toys also. Especially when they get a good friend, they will share their toys and everything. They will share everything. But also sometimes they, they, they don't want to share. <laughs> It's my toy. They really cry and make a big mess. Somebody has touched my toy. They really become even uh, difficult to handle when they don't like to share. (laughs) But uh, what is very interesting for me, I love children. In fact, that's why at the temple in Uganda, I created a a space for them. Uh, And I call it Peace School. I teach them. They are amazing. They are really amazing because they show you some kind of innocence, emotional presence, and uh, they are wonderful. One quote I found out in children, they don't have that prejudice. <laughs> Their biases and all that. A, lot, a little bit sometime, but most of the time they're really fine. <laughs> so um, they really appreciate, appreciate a lot. They say thank you, they smile. And in fact, it's amazing in West Virginia as a monk, in my bed sheets, according to <laughs> that place. <laughs> When I walk in West Virginia and Winchester, sometimes people look at me like this. <laughs> Can't figure out. <laughs> Though the monastery has been there for 25 years. Look at you. <laughs> I think they, do, they cannot put the two together. This is, he is an African. <laughs> but... I, in my center, there's a center where I'm a spiritual director in Mississippi. Uh, it's amazing. There, they, there's a lot of African Americans, and they say, "Welcome to the United States." <laughs> hey, brother, how are you doing? <laughs> when did you <he> arrive? <laughs> they think that this African dress. <laughs> <laughs> And that's what (laughs) 
I've worked my way all to the mayor of the city. <laughs> the mayor of Magnolia can only get, get enough of me. <laughs> I go there and sit and talk about food and all that. This is the mayor of the city. So I've developed a rapport in Magnolia and Mississippi. <laughs> and in West Virginia, I'm, I'm working on it. <laughs> I'm still working on it. I went to a clinic one time, and then the kid, you know, with the innocence of the kid, you know, they came, they showed me their games, they were playing and all that. The parents were looking at like this. <laughs> the children were not minding, actually. <laughs> so uh, that's why uh, it's amazing to see these qualities in the children. But the, actually, the children were just playing as if we were the same age. And the kid had no clue that I'm a monk. But his parent was so worried. <laughs> I could say, come, don't talk. Don't talk to strangers. I could feel that way. Okay, uh, let us uh, draw a clear distinction uh, between mudita and what's not mudita. Uh, when you caught, you are caught up in your life, when you're judging, being judgmental, then that's not modita. Then you, uh, you have to work on your judgment. I try to apply a lot of mindfulness. When judgment arises, just become a way of thinking, judging. Because usually we judge according to our biases, personal opinions, and standards. But there's a difference between being judgmental and judicious. Judicious means to discern based on wisdom and understanding. In other words, uh, you discern uh, and stay away from greed, hatred, and delusion and fear. Then you can actually discern. Yes, so you can make a difference between a bad apple and a good apple. So we don't meditate here to become vegetable. Uh, I don't know. What's going on? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue. I'm supposed to be a good yogi. I'm not supposed to be judgmental. I'm supposed to be an angel, you know. <laughs> so uh, we have to distinguish between the two. Comparing mind is an obstacle to modita, appreciative joy. We compare. In fact, compare in Pali, it's called mana. Comparing, yeah. So we go through our days comparing with others. The way they walk, they are not mindful. We are mindful. They are, <laughs> they are hairdo. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> why do you bother? Why are you bothered with uh, by somebody's hairdo or t-shirt? I wonder. <laughs> Uh, comparing other people, they are slow walking, others are enlightened, I'm not yet enlightened. <laughs> As a pe other people have no thoughts, I have many thoughts. So actually comparing can be an obstacle to the practice. Uh, comparing, the Buddha mentioned this kind of comparing, superior and others superior, that means you think you are superior, others are superior. Also comparing that you are inferior, others are superior. 
And even actually there's a cultural conditioning. Compare all, same, same. I call it same, same freaks. (laughs) 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 That's also another form of comparing. (laughs) (laughs) Why not (laughs) non-compare? Do not compare. (laughs) Just be mindful. Competition is definitely not modita. <laughs> the beauty of this practice is that we are not competing here. <laughs> Who's going to walk faster and slower? <laughs> I'm telling you, when I was doing a three-month retreat in 1999, uh, Gina was there too, actually. We are the only two people of color there. I remember very well. <laughs> I'm not trying to compare. <laughs> but since I stood out very much, I, I was just brand new from Africa. Here I am with a hundred yogis. <laughs> I was seeing so many things, so many things. People were walking slowly, and I was walking very fast. I was trying to compare my practice with them. I'm telling you, these people were crowing. <laughs> Literally crowing. I said, when am I going to get there? <laughs> it took me a good two weeks <laughs> to figure out what's going on there. Actually, there's no need to uh, compete, actually. This is not competition. Actually, this is the only area where we are lucky there's no competition. Who's going to go faster to Nirvana? It doesn't matter. <laughs> it matters to go there. <laughs> so, uh, in your life up there, in their life, I think uh, whether you're a school teacher, we should encourage our education system not to be competitive, but to encourage cooperation to balance out. I don't know how you're going to do it, but we need cooperation to balance out with the competition. There's a lot of competition. That stiff competition uh, dazzles, uh, kind of erodes our natural quality to be glad at other people's success. So, can you introduce some kind of cooperation, cooperation, and complementing each other? For me, in my school day, days, is very clear in Uganda. I used to want to be one of the best students, but uh, they bunched us into best students, me- mediocres, and the non- non- the best actually. So we used to have three ro- rows. <laughs> I used to be in the, always the first one, the best student in mathematics. And all that. But what I, I found out, there was a lot of competition to switch from one place to another. <laughs> yeah, so we had Pagatole, Hell, and Heaven. I was always Heaven Gore. <laughs> How about that distinction between Hell, Pagatole, and Heaven? So it was a Christian school, and I go. <laughs> I wasn't a Buddhist. <laughs> <laughs> so, 
What happened there? People, when they got to know a good formula, they didn't share it. They didn't share a good formula. If it's a formula that they knew that is going to solve one mathematics problem, somebody will sit on it and want to share. That's competition because people wanted to be to get a first grade and be better and to be look looked upon up, you know, to be the best. So that's not so good in terms of spiritual development. There comes another thing which is not modita definitely, is envy. A longing to possess something <clears throat> awarded to or achieved by another. So to feel envy when a friend inherits a fortune, gets this and that, that's not modita. In fact, that's the far enemy of modita. Another one is jealousy, a feeling of resentment that another has gained something that one more rightly deserves. For instance, to feel je jealousy when a co-worker receives promotion. How do you feel when your friend is promoted? Ponder, the, uh, ponder for a while. How do you feel? Do you feel demoted? Do you have appreciation? The problem, <laughs> this is the problem. People think that when people are above us, we are going to be unhappy. But that's not the case. It's quite the opposite. Most of the things are counterintuitive. Especially when we, especially when we grew up in a society which is uh, competition is the middle name. <laughs> it becomes very difficult to see some of these qualities, natural qualities, that are actually are bringing us happiness. Near enemy of uh, Mudita is simple joy, that's uh, laughing and uh, exhalation. Uh, that can disguise itself as Mudita, but it's not. Especially when we confine our joy and only limited to us only, selfish. And others are being promoted and successful and we feel envy and jealousy. That's not Mudita. The bottom line is that all this success and gaining fortune, it's all based on love karma. <laughs> Yes, why bother to be jealous and envy? It's their karma. It's your karma. In other words, you're successful or you're beautiful or you're handsome because of your karma. Yeah, so it's just a self-defeating exercise to, <laughs> to envy. <laughs> In other words, it's not a worthwhile project <laughs> to, to be envy, to be jealous. Don't invest into that. How to radiate uh, mudita, appreciative joy? Again, again, I'm going to use uh, uh, the Buddhist scriptures. Uh, one, uh, if one to develop this appreciative joy systematically, that's why we call it uh, mudita bhavana. That means appreciative joy meditation. So you have to be systematic. 
you have to be very systematic. Of course, you can send it outside, uh, send appreciate joy anywhere you like. But if you, are, you want to develop concentration, you have to be systematic. That means you begin developing it uh, with a, a very close friend uh, or affectionate companion. That's in a book, they call it affectionate companion. The one who is always in a joyous mood. You don't want to start with the neutral person or the most beloved person or hostile. According to this Visuddhimagga, say that uh, it's not a mere fact that a person is dearly beloved, which makes one an immediate cause of developing appreciative joy. Definitely, you should not start with a neutral person or hostile person. You have to start with a, a close friend. Also, uh, the discouraged, uh, s- s- radiating, uh, appreciative joy to persons of opposite sex and those who are dead already. In terms of meditation, uh, that we put those two people, kind of people, aside. But in general practice, we, uh, maybe uh, we're just sending it in a very general way. We can start with any person, dead, uh, opposite sex, doesn't matter. But if you are here, sitting here, trying to cultivate it and, or walking, and, and you, know, you want to gain concentration, it will proceed faster when actually we start with a close friend and we continue on to uh, to neutral person, to a hostile person, to all beings. Some of these phrases that are, uh, they use traditionally is, may your happiness or success or good fortune not leave you, not diminish. May your happiness or success or good fortune continue. So you, you, you keep on repeating those phrases again and again. Uh, and feel free to use the phrases that resonate with you so long as they are pointing to the success of others. In any kind of uh, practice of uh, the four Brahma Biharas, it has finally, finally, it has to end up with all beings. <laughs> so you have to embrace all beings. So you go through categories, different categories, and end up with all beings. May all beings enjoy their success. If resentment arises, maybe jealousy, envy, these things can arise. So you deal with them accordingly, the way you have dealt with resentment in other areas, being mindful of resentment, and, uh, and so on. Now, there are other practices that are related, actually, to mudita, appreciative joy. One of them is gratitude. The Buddha said that there are two kinds of people difficult to find, one who is generous and one who is grateful. Actually, I took that for granted 
when I was living in Buddhist countries, they were very generous. <laughs> they are very generous, I mean. And also in America, but uh, sometime. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as a monk, I, get, I went to start uh, the Dharma in Africa. I found out people, and as I was growing, people were very generous. I, I remember even my grandmother used to send me to give food uh, to my neighbors, our neighbors. Oh, here's the harvest. Take some granuts and take it to our neighbor and all that. So I know traditionally in Africa we're very generous. But I don't know whether I had my karma, I don't know. Because when I went to Africa, <laughs> people, they were expecting me to give them. I said, I'm giving you spiritual spirituality. I'm giving you meditation. <laughs> no, you're from America. <laughs> Please give us something. <laughs> America's a rich country. <laughs> uh, please give us some dollars. <laughs> so I said, no, I'm a monk. I said, no, 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 no. Actually, people have been generous. But when they, under, they understand now, I teach them the practice of generosity. Now people are very generous. But in the beginning, it was a struggle because people had a high expectation that I live in America in a place of abundance. So I'm, I'm bringing all the abundance into Africa. So it was very difficult uh, uh, in the very beginning because uh, in tra traditionally, people actually come to the temple to give. But what I found out when I established the temple in Uganda, people were actually taking from the temple. They expect to get everything from the temple and back home. Can I take this? <laughs> Please. <laughs> so no, bring back. <laughs> I have to bring to the temple. <laughs> so it's a kind of a paradigm shift, I guess. I'm working on it. Actually, it might be my karma also. I, when, the first time I saw monks in India, I, I'm telling you, they were pampering me. They were giving food. They took me to the temple. And the net effect, I didn't give anything to them. So I didn't know what even monks are. So uh, I would later on go to Africa and face the same situation. <laughs> People don't know that I'm a monk. Or they think I'm a Maasai. Maasai tribe. <laughs> The white dress. So it's uh, <laughs> so. Uh, we have to be grateful, my friends, to life itself. So for me, this has been a practice, and I want to share this for, with you. A friend of mine from England one time sent me a card with the photo of the Dalai Lama, and. Uh, this is what he says, a, preci a precious human life. Every day, think as you wake up. Today, this is what you think as, as you wake up. And I made this practice for many, many years. And that has, it, has it has been very powerful in my uh, practice. This is it, in quotes. Every day, think as you wake up. Today, I am fortunate to have, to have woken up, I'm alive. I have a precious human, a preci precious human life. 
I am not going to waste it. I'm not going to. I'm going to use all my energy, energies, to develop myself, to expand my heart out to others, to achieve enlightenment for the benefit of all beings. I'm not going to have kind. No, I'm going to have kind thoughts towards others. I'm not going to get angry or think badly about others. I'm going to benefit others as much as I can. So for me, uh, as soon as I wake up, this is the very first thought that I, I, I reflect. I'm grateful of life. This is, I call this setting up the stage for the day. Before I think about brushing my teeth, a cup of coffee or tea. And you know how much you think when you wake up. The whole life comes in, you know, as you left it going to take school, key, uh, your ch children to school and all these, uh, breakfast and all that. For me, this is powerful. It's not that I'm not going to get angry during the day. <laughs> but when I'm angry, I'm going to remember. That's what mindfulness is. is mindfulness means to remember. In fact, most, in Buddhist circles, you hear this saying, it's not difficult to be mindful, but what is difficult is to remember to be mindful. So the bottom line, <laughs> so the bottom line, <laughs> this is the bottom line is that mindfulness practice is not brain surgery. <laughs> it's not difficult. What is difficult is to remember to be mindful. So... Uh, when you, you repeat this, you reflect along these lines, when your mind is still fresh, chances are that you are going to remember through your day, throughout your day. Gratitude for life. Gratitude, gratitude for your relationship. Life is a relationship. Life is to be related. We learn a lot from relationships. Most people actually, they cast relationships, good or bad, but actually relationships are teachers. <clears throat> with your spouses, with your work, and all that. All that is your teachers. Life is a teacher. Relationships is a teacher. So it's very, very important to embrace all life, not only bits that you like, but also the difficult ones, because they, they, are, they are there to teach you to have joy, to have happiness, to have a moral compass, and all that. So everything is there to teach us. Everything is there to help us to be more happy, to be joyful and all that. So uh, one other practice that is very important is called rejoicing and transferring of merits. It's a very common practice that is related to appreciative joy. Merit in Pali is punya, which is actually is also, we can trans translate this as happiness. So merits and happiness is almost the same. In Buddhism, uh, this practice is, is a ceremony, actually. It's kind of a ritual. When you do something, let's say you, 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 be, you practice generosity, you, you, ethical, you practice ethical conduct meditation, we accumulate what we call happiness, but it's commonly called merits. Now to a Westerner, where are these merits kept? In the ears, in the head, on the foot. <laughs> so people are wondering where they kept. But this actually, everything we do, whether 
by bodily, verbal, or mental, it, leave, it is a potential to bring in happiness right now and next life. So whenever we do good things, like you have got, done a lot of good since you came here, I hope so. So you actually should be joyful in that. And you can actually share that joy, that uh, happiness, that merit with others. In fact, whenever you do this, you should actually share Rejoice in your happiness. And also, you actually ask others. You ask others. Maybe not now, <laughs> but uh, later on, uh, you can call other people. Hey, I've just come for a retreat, and I had a wonderful time. Let us share in this. Good luck. <laughs> 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 you might have to say many things. <laughs> but anyway, uh, there is also <laughs> transferring of merits, uh, that means you transfer. In fact, this practice is so common in Buddhist circles that uh, the best way to uh, pay back uh, or to uh, the, highest gi- the highest gift that you can give to the departed ones is to transfer your happiness, transfer your marriage. People are wondering, oh, you are, we shouldn't send metta to the people who are dead. No, there's a practice in place. Whenever you do good things, transfer your happiness, your merits to all departed ones. Uh, so the way we do it is that first you have to do good things. <laughs> That's the first thing. <laughs> and then uh, you actually uh, call friends or relatives. And then, uh, in fact, uh, traditionally this practice is a custom that came from India that actually this is a counterpart of the Indian custom. In Buddhism, we have this ceremony where people come. I don't know if you've been to a temple. They, uh, they, have, they give food to monks or nuns and monastics, and then they say, okay, I'm giving this in the memory of my departed ones or my father, whatever it is. And then they, later on, they will bring a, uh, like a plate or a cup full of water, and then they will pour water like this. Actually, that signifies this sermon of transferring merit. And usually this is the phrase they they repeat. I'm going to quote it, actually. It's very common. When they're pouring this water, they're transferring merit. And this is what they do. As a a river, when full must must flow and reach and fill the distant main, so indeed, what is given here will reach and bless, and bless the spirit there, there, <clears throat> wherever the deceased is. As water um, poured on the mountain top must soon descend and fill the plains. So indeed, what's given here will reach and bless the spirit there of the departed one. So the only way to help the departed ones is to do some good things like meditation, generosity, ethical conduct, and then transfer marriage. Friends, I would like to remind you of the benefits of appreciative joy, and that is very important. These benefits actually are very common also to other practices like appreciate, like metta, compassion. In the Visuddhimagga, the path to purification, they 
mentioned that the benefits that arises from appreciative joy, one, one sleep in comfort. That's one benefit. Another one, you wake up in comfort. <laughs> and in between, and in between, you dream sweet dreams. <laughs> I call them Dhamma dreams. <laughs> the fourth one is dear to humans. The fifth one is dear to non-humans. The sixth one is guarded by deities or angels, heavenly angels. The seventh one is not affected by fire, poison, and weapons. My friend, don't go there, shoot. <laughs> and so you ask people to shoot you <laughs> or touch fire. But these actually... Uh, <clears throat> If it happened to be protected by fire, that's fine, <laughs> and poison or weapons. But actually, these are figurative speech where, <laughs> where you're protected by greed, hatred, and delusion when you practice, and jealous and envy, of course. One, one's mind is easily concentrated. That's the eighth. The, uh, the ninth, you like this. The expression of, of one's face is serene and beautiful. So now, for those who are using cosmetics, <laughs> this is good news. <laughs> and anti-aging creams. <laughs> you can bank on this natural beauty. <laughs> I'm not saying don't use any cosmetics, but at least if you have forgotten, maybe <laughs> you can bank on this, actually. I like this very much, actually. Number 10 is one dies unconfused. And 11, one penet if one penetrates no higher, that means if you don't attain enlightenment, one will be reborn in Brahma world. I don't know if you know this Brahma world, but if you don't know, this is what I heard, that there's no sex uh, gender issues there. How about that for a start? Thank you very much. <laughs> Let us sit for a moment or two. <laughs> Let go of the excitement. Atu Pamaya Sabesam Satanam Suko Kamato Pasitwa Kamato Metta Sabasate Subhavaye. Having seen that all beings like oneself have a desire for happiness, one who cultivates metta, loving kindness, appreciate joy for all beings. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.